0: next week uh, in addition to uh, the activities that were spoken on the uh, during the announcements concerning next Sunday um, next Sunday uh, we'll also be having an ordination Um, you know for the last two years Pastor Isaac's been licensed through Rhema and he will be eventually ordained through uh, Rhema probably this fall because he's Um, put in the uh, needed time and so forth. Um, But um, he also asked that he might be ordained uh, through us here at Abundant Life Ministries. And so, in addition to everything else that's going to be going on next Sunday, um, he wants to receive his ordination as well. So, needless to say, Pastor Isaac will be here with us next Sunday. Um, He's in Winterset right now. It's been two years since he's been able to be in his parents, parents' church. Uh, so he's down there with them uh, today. So he'll be here with us next week. You know, I just you know we, we have uh, uh, a spirit of excellence here at Abundant Life Ministries, I believe, and uh, probably one of the most excellent thing that we have are our young people. And so I just want you to give them when as you run into them, give them an encouraging word. Um, you know, our football team continues their Season they'll be playing uh, next Friday night. Joe, you can say nothing concerning that because they're going to be playing against her grandson. But our our guys have had just a tremendous season and uh, I just want you to really encourage them. Um, You know, our volleyball team, we've got a couple of girls that were on our volleyball team and um, record-wise, they didn't have a great year, but they played some great volleyball. And I wasn't there on... Uh, Last week when they played Kemper, who is the uh, returning state champion, and uh, they played three very good games with them. And so just encourage those girls. And then we have some uh, cross-country runners. Uh, I think their season's probably over, isn't it? Um, Did he hurt his leg? I thought so. I saw him limping around with a... Thing Friday night, but anyway, give give those guys and gals some encouragement because uh, they put a lot of effort and work into it, and uh, let them know that we're really proud of them because we are, Amen. Amen. And then we've got kids that are involved in other activities as well, and just just encourage. And I know you know the hard part is you always leave something or someone out, and uh, um, you know. <clears throat> uh, Eliza, and, and I know she loves to be centered out. You know She's such an extrovert. She just loves everybody looking at her. She's sitting back there in the back row if anybody <laughs> missed her. But you know, <clears throat> she has a cheerleader this year, and, and you know, some people say, well, cheerleaders, they're not really athletes. That doesn't really count. Well, you should have seen all the jumping jacks and, and uh, leg kicks that they did this year. You know, I would have been in bed for a month and a half if I had tried to do half of what they did. So you can't convince me there, there isn't some athleticism yeah. that goes along with it. But just encourage our kids. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I mean, they're great kids. Yeah. We, have, we have such wonderful young people. Yeah. We really do. And so, uh, they're a blessing. Well, we're going to continue now with the Word of God. And so I want to share with you today uh, the grace available through mutual submission you know in the day that we're in um, people really don't want to talk about submission too much uh, it, it's one of those topics that you know when you, you give the topic and you, you say you're going to be talking about submission everybody in the place doesn't say oh <laughs> we're going to talk about submission today um, but we are but it's a, it's a good thing. You know, but I want to talk about submission from the standpoint of approaching it from grace, not approaching it from the standpoint of the law. You know. Because, as we've shared many times before, <clears throat> what the law ultimately produces is rebellion when it's enforced in a legalistic way. And so <clears throat> we're not in a position where, in, under the dispensation that we're under, that we, we have to submit ourselves to the law. We submit ourselves from it, to it from the standpoint that God wants to work in our life. But we, we submit ourselves to it through grace. Recognizing that, you know, I am able to keep the Ten Commandments. But it isn't because I, I go down the line and I'm, I'm gonna to submit to this, I'm gonna to submit to this. I submit to the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus has done in my life, I'm able to do, I'm able to fulfill everything that he's he's called me to do. And so we do it through grace. Biblical submission is mutual and brings with it freedom uh, uh, freedom from domination. You know, I remember in our earlier years, in our Christian walk, there was a lot of teaching on submission. There's a lot of teaching on submission from the standpoint that you have to submit to those that are in authority over you. And usually it was those that were in authority over you that were teaching the submission. And basically it was coming from the standpoint, you got to do what I tell you to do. But you know what? I've come to realize something. It's a mutual submission. You know, where we get the, uh, in in Ephesians, the fifth chapter where it talks about um, husbands and wives and their relationship with one another. And it talks about wives loving their husband as Christ loves the, uh, or excuse me, submitting unto their husband as unto the Lord. And and husbands loving their wife as Christ loves the church. You know, it's interesting, the verse, the, the beginning verse there is to be submitted to one another. And so it's 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 never in the plan of God for us to lord ourselves over one another. It's never been part of the plan of God as me as the pastor of this church that I lord over you. It's that we would be submitted one to another. And you know the thing about it is it's within that submission that there is there is such there is such protection, there is such harmony. And so <clears throat> that's the. Point of view that I want to come to you today with. Um, It allows us submission when we recognize it and it's mutual submission. It allows us to reach our full potential. You know, if I'm submitted to Pastor Becky and she's submitted to me, we both want each one another to reach their fullest potential. And so the fact that she's submitted to me means that I'm not going to hold her back means I'm going to want for her what God wants for her. And that's for her to reach her full potential. And the same thing is the other way around as well. And so it's mutual submission that brings us to that point. And, and what happens then is we begin to complement one another. You know, as a church of Jesus Christ, you know, y'all aren't here to serve me. We're here to serve one another. And when we get a revelation of that, when we have an understanding of that, each and every one of us within this body, whatever our call is, whatever the purpose is that God has for us, we're going to be able to reach our full potential. And see, that's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church isn't that there's somebody that's the boss over everybody else. The purpose of the church is so that each and every one of us reach our full potential so that God, Jesus, is glorified in every single area. And so let's look at some scripture. Everybody say, Amen. Let's look at some scripture. Submission to each other and to God allows us to live life to its fullest. I want to live life to its fullest. Amen. So in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I'm going to begin in verses one and two. And it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So to imitate basically means let's submit to Him. Let's submit to His will. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Notice, we give ourselves to him. Amen? When we were born again, what did we do? We we gave ourselves to Christ. But you know, we're able to do that because he first gave himself to us. As a result of it. Because he first loved us, we're able to love one another. Because Jesus submitted himself for you and I. Yielded Himself for you and I. We're able to do the same thing to one another and to Him. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us. And offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Verse 21, I made reference to this verse. Submitting one to another in the fear of God. Offering. You know, submitting isn't always easy. That would have been a good place for an amen, especially for all the spouses in the room. Submitting isn't always easy, but you know what? It bears fruit. It bears fruit of growth. It bears fruit from the standpoint that we're going to grow and we're going to accomplish what God wants us to do. And so oftentimes in our culture today, whenever we hear about submitting, and especially in some segments of the church, it's always in reference to marriage. But it's in every area of our life where if we want to be successful, we're going to submit to one another. You know, as an employee, you, you have to submit to the, to the employer if, if you're going to be effective and if you're going to reach your full potential. But, you know, even as an employer, to a certain degree, there's a submission to the employee from the standpoint of being willing to hear what they have to say. So that things can grow. You know, many companies go under because they refuse to listen to the wisdom of their employees to hear what they have to say. But you know what? The same thing is true in the church and families. You know, because one will not hear what the other has to say. There's a lot of issues that can be avoided in life if we would just simply listen to one another. But we have this thing about us that if I'm in charge, I'm in charge bless God, you're going to do what I tell you to do and no questions asked. Well, dummy, you ain't going to grow that way. You're going to be ignorant and you're going to continue to be ignorant still because you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to grow. You're not going to experience growth. But you know what? When we begin to submit to one another, what happens? We begin to glean. We begin to grow. We begin to receive from one another. And when we begin to receive from one another, That's when change can truly begin to take place in areas of our life. You know, we look at Jesus. Jesus is part of the Trinity. But yet Jesus, as part of the Trinity, was willing to submit to Father God. You know what? And that's the same position that we need to be in. We need to be willing to submit to God the Father. We need to be willing to submit to Jesus. We need to be willing to submit to one another and yield to one another. And that's not a sign of weakness. Really, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of, you know. <clears throat> why isn't that we have a hard time, oftentimes, receiving from others? Because of our own insecurity. We try to attribute it to their stupidity. <laughs> but really, it's about our insecurity. Because we feel like if I hear what they have to say, and especially if I take and apply what they have to say, I'm demonstrating weakness. No, you're not. You're demonstrating just the opposite of that. To submit to somebody, to yield to what somebody has to say, isn't just yielding and giving up your authority. Actually, what it's doing is it's giving you greater authority. Because when you receive, when we receive from one another, what does it do? It creates a mutual respect for one another. But oftentimes we don't have that, and so as a result of that, we begin to fall by the wayside. You know, Paul reflected upon the fact that we are a threefold being. We're a spirit, soul, body. He talks about that in, in 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. He talks about a spirit, soul, and body. And we are a spirit, soul, and body. And, and so even within ourselves, there's a certain degree of yielding. But really what he's talking about here and in, in, in this subject, that we word, I'm trying to talk fast because I got a lot of stuff to go through here today. You know, <clears throat> but where we're submitting to one another, we're talking about the soul. Why do we, why, why do we combat it? It's, it's not our spirit, man. It's our soul. And oftentimes the problem is, is we're, we're weak in our soul. We're not healthy in our soul. And, because, and our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And because we're not healthy there, we have a difficult time yielding or submitting to somebody else because we're fearful of losing our identity. But you know, the truth of the matter is we find it. We find it. When we begin to yield to one another, let me read from Hebrews, the fourth chapter, in the 12th verse. I'm reading this out of the Amplified, and it says For the word that God speaks is living and full of power, making it active, operative, energized, and effective. It is sharper than a two edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul and the immortal spirit, and joints and marrow, of the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the purpose of the heart. You know, if we're going to be strong, if we're going to be, you know, if we're going to be able to walk in what I'm talking about here today, about being able to be submitted to God and being submitted to one another, we're going to have to be in that place where God wants us to be. There's going to have to be a dividing between our soul and our spirit so that we're in a position where we're able and willing to yield to Him. Why? Because we're confident in who we are. You know, we hear it all the time, got to know who you are. Well, let me tell you something. The only way you're going to know who you are is through the Word of God. And when He begins to reveal Himself to us, we begin to recognize Him for who He really is. You know, the healthy soul, mind, will, and emotion, the healthy soul, healthy soul is a soul that's able to yield to God. The unhealthy soul is the one that, that feels like if I, if I yield, if I give in, I'm giving up. Not recognizing that... God knows what he's doing. God is not gonna fail me. God is not gonna sell me short. But you know, the only way you're gonna know that is through the word. The only way any of us are ever gonna know that is through the word. I've got this written in in my notes. Submission does not mean checking your brain in at the door or leaving it at the altar. Submission means use that thing between your ears for something other than keeping your brain from, your skull from collapsing. You know, submission doesn't mean that you're blindly just doing whatever. Submission means that you've heard from God and because you've heard from God, you're able to follow Him. You're able to do His will. Why? Because you're convinced that every plan, every purpose that God has for you is for your good. But you'll never find that out unless, you, unless we see it in the Word of God. God wants our entire being. He wants our spirit. You know what? He got your spirit the moment you, that you were born again. But you know Romans 12 too, says that we have to renew our mind. We've got to change our thinking. And how do we do that? We do that by the Word of God. You know, and so, you know, in our old life, you had to fight for everything. You had to stand for your rights. You had to be determined. But you know, the new life that we have in Christ Jesus, we're submitted to him and all of those things that we fought so hard to gain, to earn, to protect, through Christ become ours. But you know what, if we're not strong in that area, if we're not strong in our soul, We still have this idea, we've got to fight for everything. We've got to stand up for everything. Well, I'll tell you what we stand up for. We stand up for Christ. We stand up for what Jesus has done for us. And when we begin to do that, everything that's needful in our life, it belongs to us. And we begin to see the manifestation of it in every area of our lives. God didn't create us to be a robot. You know, and So when we begin to talk about submission, we're not talking about that you lose your, your thought process. You gain it. Mm-hmm, right. Because you begin to think more clearly. God never created us to be a robot. God never created us to have somebody stand up in front of us and tell us what our life is supposed to be. You know, when we first got saved, there was this teaching that was going around, (coughs) you know, when we came here, the the name of the church was Loving Shepherd Fellowship. You know, Abundant Life Ministries is what we changed it to after we came here some 30 some years ago, 37 years ago. But the reason that we changed the name was during that time there was this teaching that was going around and it 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 was known as the shepherding teaching shepherding principle. And so what that meant was the pastor was the shepherd of the church, which is true, pastor and shepherd. You know, but but with this teaching what they taught was everything that you did you had to be submitted to the pastor. Think there might have been a little bit of control in there. You know, and so everything that you did you had to submit to not loving shepherd Fellowship wasn't that way. But there was these teachings that were going around. And so, you know, I, I mean, it, it would get to the extreme that if you were going to uh, go shopping for groceries, you'd have to check in with the pastor or the elders or see if that would be all right. And I guess they would have to hear from God as to whether or not you were supposed to go shopping for groceries that day. <clears throat> now, how many of you know that's, that's ignorance gone to seed and producing a harvest? You know, and uh, and so that that was that was the extreme. God never created us that way. I believe that you are submitted to me, but I want you to know something else. I'm submitted to you, because we're to be submitted to one another. And so there are positions. You know, you know. I heard somebody say one time, any creature with two heads is a freak. And so if you have the church and it has two heads, it's a freak. So there's only one head in the church, that's the pastor. There's only one head in the church in the home, that's the, the husband or the as the head of the house. But that doesn't mean that one is lording it over the other. It means that we have mutual submission to one another. Why? So that we can get something done. But you know what? If we begin to lord it over one another, we're going totally contrary. To what the plan of God was. And so he wants us to think. He wants us to have the the ability to reason. He created us that way. If we were just a bunch of robots, life would be so boring. Except for everybody that is the robot controller. That's not what God has intended for any of us. We were formerly dead in sin. But now we're alive. What we're ultimately alive to is we're alive to Christ. And we're alive to Him so that He can direct our lives. So that we can see the end from the beginning. So that we can walk in victory. So that we don't have to be defeated. So that we don't have to have somebody looking over us, watching over us, telling us every moment of every day what we're to do. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But you know what? Even He doesn't dictate. He directs. He guides. He leads. You know, isn't it interesting that a, that a shepherd doesn't herd the sheep? You ever tried to herd sheep? They're almost as dumb as turkeys. I, I mean, it's, you know, <clears throat> well, it's like my youngest granddaughter, Emily, uh, over in Trainer, she had uh, we were over there visiting him, and she had uh, she had soccer practice. And uh, so I wasn't going to be getting to a game, so I went to the soccer practice. And this coach, you know, he is really, you know, <clears throat> when you have a bunch of girls this age, you're, they're playing soccer. I didn't realize cartwheels and... Uh, little wets and I didn't realize all that was part of soccer soccer is much more interesting when you have little girls playing soccer because there's a whole lot more to it than kicking a ball and you know and so after the practice I went up to the coach and I said "I says, you're really patient And he says yeah he said it's a lot like trying to herd cats that, those were his words and, and, and it was true but I mean I had a great time watching it but Man, alive to be a coach just had to be something else. And, and so, life is, is, is wonderful. And so, we're a bunch of, we're sheep. We're the sheep of his pastures. But God, our shepherd, Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, he doesn't hurt us. He guides us. He directs us. He tries to lead us in the direction that we're supposed to to go. And that's what our voice is supposed to do. It's supposed to be something that gives us direction. In Deuteronomy 30, you're all familiar with it. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He says, choose life. There's a lot of things that have been set before each and every one of us. But you know what? Every time we choose to submit to the will of God, we're choosing life. We're choosing blessing. But you know what? Every time that, that in our thought pattern we, we have this idea that we know better than God and we do our own thing, you know what we're doing? We may not be saying it, but we're choosing death. We're choosing destruction. But Jesus says, choose life. Choose blessing. And then he even tells us what to do. Choose life. And so choose it because in our choosing, we experience everything that Jesus has provided for us. In Hebrews 6 19 through 20, in the Amplified, it says, Now we have this hope as a sure and steady anchor of the soul. Notice what it anchors. It's not talking about our spirit man because within our spirit man, it's been settled the decisions that you make aren't in your spirit man, they're in your soul. It's to choose what your spirit man wants to do. And what your spirit man wants to do is to follow after Jesus, to fulfill the will, the plan, the purpose of God. So here he's talking about our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. He says, now we have this hope as a sure and steady anchor of our soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under... um, Whoever steps out upon it, a hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil where Jesus has entered in for us in advance. A forerunner, having become the high priest forever after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. Within our soul, He wants to give us the plan. And what we do is we surrender to it. Do you know how you fulfill the plan of God? You surrender to it. It isn't you making it happen. It's you submitting, yielding to the plan of God. Do you know how we fulfill the plan of God in our marriages? It's by surrendering. It's submitting to one another. You know, <clears throat> amen, glory to God, hallelujah. You know, tomorrow, 52 years. Right. You, you, guys, you, you ought to be saying, Pastor Dave, you look way too young <laughs> to have been married 52 years. Yeah, I know my wife does, but I'm, I'm up in front of you today. Submit to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married for 52 years to the same woman. Amen. I'll tell you something. It didn't happen by submit woman. (laughs) Anybody that knows her. (laughs) I'm walking on loose gravel right now. But we've, we've, we've spent not 52 years because the first years, I was pretty stupid, you know, but we, because I didn't have Christ. But since then, it's been as we've, and that was about to lead to a divorce. That's how wonderful that works for you. But since then, we've been submitted to one another, and uh, plan has worked out pretty good. You know... I'm amazed at how smart God is. Amen. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not joking here. I'm telling you the truth. It's amazing what God knows. How we will submit to him the plan that he has for our lives, how it works out. But it isn't us Trying to make God's plan work in our life. Trying doesn't work. That's why faith hasn't worked for a lot of people. Because they've tried it. You don't try it. You live it. And the way that we live it is we submit to Him. And He fulfills His plan, His purpose in our life. Brings stability where there was instability brings hope, where there was hopelessness. And where does it come from? It comes from submitting to God. You know what faith is? Faith is really saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm gonna to submit to you. Your will, your plan be done in my life. It's in every area. You know why? Because we have our own thoughts, we have our own plans, we, we have our own, what we've come to decide, whether it be about healing, whether it be about, be about prosperity, whether it be about anything in our life. We have our own thoughts concerning it. And that's why Romans 12, 2 says that we have got to renew our minds according to the Word of God. Because when we do that, we get our thoughts in line with God's thoughts. His plan, His purpose, becomes in line with our plan and purpose. And what do we do? We simply submit to Him. And we see wonderful results then as a, as, a, as a result of that. And so our hope is in His Word. And so we look to His Word, we find that hope, and then we begin to give substance to it by accepting it and receiving it for ourselves. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In James 1, 21 and 22. I'm going to read this again out of the, out of the Amplified. You know, because, you know, one of the things that, that hinders us from being able to truly submit to God and to one another as we ought to is fear. The fear that somebody's going to take advantage of us. The fear that if I submit to God, what if it doesn't work? Let me tell you something, it'll work. It'll work. Because God will never fail us and never let us down. And when we submit to him, as we submit and yield to one another, uh, oftentimes it's fear that tries to hold us back because, you know, what if everybody tries to take advantage of me? Well, don't worry about it. The Bible says that God is our vindicator. You know what it does? It takes all the pressure off because I don't have to stand up and I don't have to defend myself any longer because God is my defense. God is my vindicator. God is the one that'll come in between and we'll see the freedom where there appeared to be absolutely no hope. And so, when we submit to him, when we obey him, that fear has to go. First John says, perfect love casts out fear. But you know what, it isn't the perfect love that we have for one another, it's the perfect love that we know he has for us. Because when we recognize that love, all at once there's no fear because we know that no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances, he's there. That I can depend upon him, that I can have confidence in him, that that I can trust him. That's the confidence that we can have, not only in God, but I believe where there's mutual submission because where there's submission there's there's relationship and you know <clears throat> um, I'm probably you know you you, you guys are going to be blessed because you have a uh pastor that's coming in and, in Isaac who is totally relational you know that that's that's like key in his life and so you know over the next couple of months as, as Isaac is here and, and he's not having to pick up on all the different responsibilities that he's going to take over after the first of the year. It's a wonderful opportunity uh, for you to get a hold of him and set up a time to get, a, get together with him individually and as a family because he had loved nothing better than to be able to have the opportunity to, to get to know each and every one of you. In fact, that's his, that's his desire. You know, I believe that Pastor Becky and I have been relational, but it's it, it's going to be different because of his temperament and so forth. And so, you know, allow his gift to come forth. And the way that you allow his gift to come forth and to be a blessing to not only you, but to this community and to this church is by you taking advantage of that. And you do that by being willing to submit to him. And let, let me tell you, he'll submit to you. Come and and uh, spend time with you. It'll be a blessing to everybody uh, concerned and to your household. In James 1, verse 21 and 22, it says, So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outward outgrowth of wickedness in a humble, gentle, modest spirit Receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul. You now there's a lot of words there. Of course there is. It's amplifying. There's a lot of words there. But see, that's where our submission begins. Our submission begins with the word of God. Our submission begins when I say you know Father, I don't feel like I can do this, but I'm going to. I'm not going to try to do it. I'm just going to simply submit. I'm going to yield to you. You know, that's what we did. We began to see something in the Word of God. And when we saw it in the Word of God, we acted upon it. We, We submitted, we yielded to the Word of God. And he saved our marriage. He saved our lives. That's what the Word of God will do for each and every individual that's willing to say, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to allow you to have your way in my life. But notice where it begins. It says it saves your soul. You're saved. If you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've been born again. But that's your spirit man that was born again. Your soul, man, the the, the saving process of that, let me put it this way, the saving of your soul is a process. Not that it's, we're not talking about eternity here. We're talking about your soul getting in line with the Word of God. That's a process. But you know what? If I don't ever read the Word, if I don't ever meditate in the Word, if I don't ever yield to the Word, it can't fulfill, it can't accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish in my life, which is to change my soul. So I begin to think, do I dare say this? I begin to think like God thinks. Because my thoughts are His thoughts. My ways become His ways. You know, in Isaiah it says, our thoughts are not His thoughts and our ways are not His ways. That's old covenant. He's provided us under a new covenant, a new way. In which our thoughts become his thoughts. Our ways become his ways. But it's in proportion to our soul. To the extent that we've um, yielded our souls, submitted our souls unto him. But then it goes on and says, But be doers of the word. Obey the message. And not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception By reasoning contrary to the truth. Be doers of the word. Obey the message. What's the message? The message is the grace of Christ. The grace of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's spirit and truth. And when we obey him, when we yield to him, It changes our thought patterns. It changes our our thinking. But when we just listen to it, what is he talking about? He's talking about hearing it, and you just walk away, and you don't ever take it any further. But you hear it, and you receive it, and you take it into yourself. It changes you. And we begin to walk in the truth. You know, in James 4, 7, It talks about how when we, when we submit to God, the devil has to flee. You know, you've heard me share how when I was first saved, I saw that scripture and it, it said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so I I spent, I, I spent all my time resisting the devil, resist the devil and he'll flee from you, resist the devil. And I was losing a lot of battles. But I was battling. I was resisting the devil. But then I finally read the whole verse Submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I found something out. The more I submitted to God, the less I had to resist to the devil. Why is that? Because what's the battlefield? The battlefield is our mind. And so unless I get the word of God in there, unless I submit to God and to his word, I'm, a, I'm open game. His attacks will come to, come to me. But when I resist him, after I've submitted to God, he's got to flee. Why? Because he's a defeated foe. Now I've got to understand something. If I do it in my own strength. The devil's going to whoop me every single time. I'm no match for him in my flesh. But in my spirit, man. As I've yielded to God and I've given place to him. God and me. We're a majority. We're a we're a fighting force. But you know what? The same thing is true of each and every one of us in this room. When we submit to him, when we yield to him, when we declare who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished, there isn't anything that the enemy can bring against us that's going to defeat us because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so so much of renewing of the mind is recognizing that Jesus Christ is truly on the inside of me and because of Him, absolutely nothing is impossible. James 1.23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he observes himself, goes away, and, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the world, word, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, I can remember when I was first saved, I'd go to a meeting, I'd hear somebody preach, and whoa, that was really good. That was really good. But you know what? I was a forgetful hearer. Because by the time we got home, I'd forgotten everything that God said. So that week, I didn't, apply, I, didn't, I didn't apply a single bit of it into my life. You know, I found out something, at least for me. I had to be diligent. I had to be diligent to hear. Because if I wasn't diligent to hear, I wasn't, it wasn't going to register. <laughs> Amen. That's why when I'm sitting on the front row and we have a speaker, I take notes. I may never read those notes again, but I take notes. And I take notes for a reason. I take notes because it it makes me pay attention. And when I hear something that, that registers in my soul, in my spirit, I write it down. Because I'm not only hearing it, I'm seeing it as I'm writing it down and I'm having to make an effort to put it down. See, that's how I I, I believe the Word of God is that important. That I don't want to forget it, I want to remember it. And if I need to, then I can go back over it again. But to be honest about it, the majority of the time I don't. But I hear it and I want to be a doer of it. I want to put it into practice in my life. Why? Because that's where I'm going to experience the victory in being a doer of the word. You know, in Joshua 1.8, it's a wonderful passage. It says that this, it talks about the law, but it's it's talking about the word because that's the word that they had up until that point. But it says that this, this law, that we're to meditate it in it day and night. Why? So then we will make our way successful and we'll have good... are are prosperous, and will have good success. I want to have good success. Good success. Good success. Everybody say, good success. Amen. Amen. I want good success. You know, every Monday night, I, I visit guys that have had success. They've been successful drug dealers. They've been successful in the business world, but you know what? They didn't have good success. Because they chose to do something that was outside the law. And so what happens? They end up in prison. You've run into people that you'd look at it and they'd say, they're, they're just so successful. They might be a lawyer, they might be a banker, they might be a doctor, they might be, you know, own a business. They're successful but they lose their house, they've lost their family, they've lost this, that, and the other thing. That's not good success. When we, measure, when we meditate in the Word of God and we allow the Word of God to have dominance in our lives, we can be successful in every single area of our life. Because when God talks about success, he's not in prosperity. He's not talking about just simply the amount of money that we have in the bank. He's talking about every single area of our life, emotionally, socially, economically. Every area, God wants us to be successful. And how does that success come? By meditating in the word of God day and night. Putting it first place in our life. Recognizing that God is my source, not man. Good preaching, Pastor Dave. Well, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The thing about it is, it tells us in Acts 10 that God is not a respecter of persons. I used to preach it this way. If God did it for one, he'll do it for another. But then when you read that and you study that, you find out that it's much stronger than that. And the strength of that is, if God did it for one, he's obligated to do it for another. Well, not always be in the same way. But you know what? If we'll do what the Word of God says if we'll practice the principles that he's given us in his word, we will have success. Because God made one individual successful. And if he'll do it for one, he's required to do it for others. Otherwise, he's a respecter of persons, and he's not. That's strong, isn't it? But you know what? God can handle it, because He said it. We need to put our trust in Him. In Psalms 100, or excuse me, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed. I don't know about you, I I, I like that spoken over me. Blessed. Everybody look at me. Blessed. 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 You're blessed. Amen. Amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And again, in the dispensation that we're in, we could read it this way. And his delight is in the, in the word of the Lord. And in his word he meditates day and night. He who, the one who meditates in the word day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose lilies also shall not wither And whatever he does shall prosper. Your prosperity isn't dependent on what somebody else does. Prosperity is dependent upon what you do. Whether you meditate in the word day and night. Whether you have chosen to uh, not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor stand in the path of sinners. They're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And you've taken your delight in the word of the Lord. And in that word, you meditate day and night. Now that doesn't mean that you're walking around all day and night with this in front of your face. But you know, it's an interesting thing. When you get it down on the, in the, on the inside of you, you literally can meditate in the word day and night. Because it's alive to you. Well, Pastor, I just, I just don't know. I, I just really have a hard time memorizing. And you know, I said that too. I said, you know, I just, I just can't memorize. But I found something out. When you get something on the inside of you, it'll come out of you. When Steve and Colleen were here, we were, we were playing cards. but we we're we we're sitting at the table, and we were playing cards, and one night, you know, I don't know why it is, but you know sometimes I'm in a certain setting, and somebody says something, and there'll just be a a tune that'll pop into my head that goes along with what was just said and so we're we're sitting there playing cards and and of course, we all grew up in the sixties, and so all of these tunes started to come out of us. Now, a lot of those songs I hadn't, I hadn't thought about for years. Now, I do listen to the 60s channel on the radio periodically. I have to confess unto you, forgive me, for I have sinned. But they were in there. I didn't have to try to come up with it. It just... It just It just come out of me. Why? Because that's what I used to meditate on. That's what I used to spend all my time listening to. And so you say you can't can't memorize. Don't then. Just listen to it all the time. Get it in front of your eyeballs. And read it all the time. And I'll tell you something. When the time comes... It's gonna come out of you. You know, Pastor Becky was sharing how yesterday morning in your uh, in, in the healing class that she had out here, she's I says, How was it? She says, It was really good. And and she said, you know, <clears throat> I said, I said stuff I I just didn't even know where it came from. I, I know where it came from. In here. Because She obviously had thought and meditated on those things in the past. And so at that time, it just just comes flowing out. You know, there's been times I've been preaching and I've I've really had a hard time containing myself. Because what I said was so good. And I'm, I'm thinking, where did that come from? You know I need to write that down. But you know what? It didn't come from nowhere. It had to come from somewhere. That means something had to have been put in there for it to come out. And that's how it is in each of our lives. That's why the, Jesus said to his disciples don't be concerned about what you're going to say. You'll have the words to speak it. But it isn't because it's going to be new words. It's going to be because they were sitting under the tutorage of Jesus. And they were hearing the words that he spoke. And they may not be able to repeat it word for word. But when the time came, the Holy Ghost was able to bring it up. Right. Amen. And that's how it is in each of our lives. We don't have to walk worried about what we're going to say. We can witness to people. People say all the time, I'd like to witness, but I don't know enough. Well, then get saved. Because if you're saved, you know enough. You know more than somebody else. Well, I don't know what I'd say. Well, when the time comes, it'll come. You just allow Him to to speak through you. But if you want to be prepared, meditate in the Word. Allow the Word to rise up and be vague on the inside of you. I already read that. He wants to bring things out of us that are honest, that are pure. This is what Jesus said in in John 4.34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his works. What was Jesus saying? He says, I'm here for one purpose. To do the will of him who sent me. And that was the Father. Remember when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed and he says, Oh Father, if there be any other way, let's do that. Because he knew what was in store. But then Jesus said, But Father, not my will. Your will be done. You know, submitting doesn't always mean that it's something we want to do. I was hoping for a head shake, but I didn't get one. It isn't always doing what what we want to do. But submission says, but your will be done, not my will. I choose to do your will rather than my will. And that's how Jesus was. And, you know, we're talking about Jesus. Well, let me read it to you. It's in Luke, the 22nd chapter. 39th verse says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed. Now, I just just always think this is so, so key, so critical. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. Jesus, who set aside deity, but yet was still the second person of the Trinity, recognized he needed to spend time in the presence of Father God. And so when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, you know, why was, why was Judas able to know that that's where Jesus was going to be because he had done it often. He knew that after their gatherings, that's where they would end up. And Jesus would spend time there with them praying. And so it was something he was accustomed to. You know, there's certain things in our life that we need to be accustomed to. We need to be accustomed to spending time in God's word. We need to be accustomed to spending time coming together and fellowshipping with one another. We need to be accustomed to spending time in prayer with, with, with one another and, and by ourselves in the presence of the Father that He might minister to us. Because our, our actions, our submission, comes out of that which we're accustomed to, or that which is a part of our lives. You know, I've often said, you know, I don't like to think of myself as a religious person. You know, because in its true definition, religion is man's attempt to get right with God. And so I don't like to think of myself as being religious. But there are are certain things in my life that I'm religious about. And probably the number one thing that I'm religious about is that every day I read the Word of God. I have my my readings. and, And sometimes I don't want to. But I submit to it. Why? Because I need it. I know I need that in my life. And so there's certain things that we need to know that we need. Jesus needed time with the Father and so He did it. And so coming out They went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. Then he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. What was the temptation? Well, for them at that time was to not keep their minds focused on what was at hand, and as a result of that drifting, they would fall asleep. And so when they fell asleep, they were no longer praying. And so Jesus said, pray that you, you know, don't enter into temptation. <clears throat> and then he goes on, he says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he fell down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. He's talking about the crucifixion. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. But the thing I, this is why I wanted to come back and, and read this, because I want you to understand something. Crisis is part of life. Dr. Cole put it this way. Life consists of entering and leaving Crisis. And what determines whether your life is successful or not is not whether you enter and leave crisis because you will. But how do you enter and how do you leave crisis? And the interesting thing is, here Jesus is, in his earthly ministry, reaching the greatest crisis that he's encountered in his physical life. As a man, and he cries out to God, and he says to God, If there's any other way, let's do it that way. But Father God basically says, There is no other way. This is the only means of salvation for humanity. And so, what did Jesus do? He submitted, he yielded, he said, Not my will. Your will be done. But it's an interesting thing that happened at that point. Verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. I don't know what you believe about angels. I don't believe that angels are in heaven sitting on a cloud twiddling a harp place. I believe my angel was right here in church with me. You know, if our spiritual eyes could be opened, we'd be seeing, I believe, a myriad of angels in this room. But see, the thing about it is, for us as believers to know we're never alone. Jesus promised, he said, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Ghost, and he will live, he will abide in you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we have the Holy Ghost living within us and we have the confidence, the assurance that he'll never leave us nor will he forsake us. But let me tell you something. When you enter in that time of crisis, it may be the greatest thing, the hardest thing that you've ever faced in your life. He sends his angels to strengthen you. Because if he sent his angels to strengthen Jesus, he'll send his angels to strengthen you and me. That's why nothing is impossible for you and I. Because it isn't based upon our strength and our ability. It's based upon all the powers of God. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly... And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Then he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples and he found them sleeping from sorrow. You know what we do? Is we look to man. We think man is going to be our answer. We think man is going to be our hope. But let me tell you, primarily what man will do in your time of crisis has probably let you down. But God, when we can have our confidence in Him, when we can trust Him, we can have the assurance that He will never fail us, He will never deceive us, He'll never let us down. And He said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray. Pray lest you enter into temptation. Well, they yield it. You know, man in the natural is incapable of meeting your need. And the thing that's so sad is we turn to man and we think that man is going to satisfy my every need and desire. And the problem is, is man is incapable of doing that. The only way they come close to be even touching that is through the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But see, when we don't have that, we don't have to give up. We can turn to God, but... Most people think the answer is in man. Hosea 4 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. For a lack of not knowing what Jesus is doing for us. But I don't don't want you to leave here today ignorant. Ignorance is not stupidity. Ignorance is not knowing. And I've been ignorant in the past, and I've just been determined not to be ignorant still. And so the truth is, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one that we can depend upon. Jesus is the one that we can turn to when it appears that everything around us is falling apart. He's there. And we can rely upon Him. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, down in the 31st and on verse, it talks about how Jesus... Sees our every need, whether it be clothing, whether it be food, whether it be shelter. Says he knows that we have the need for all of those things. But then he says, but seek first the kingdom and all this stuff. The shelter, the clothing, the food. It'll be added unto you. Why? Because he knows you need it. And so what do we do? We we rely on him. We turn to him. We trust him. We yield. We submit to him. And as we do, we experience greater victory than what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. It's because of him. Him. We submit to one another. And as we do, we grow. We mature. We're more capable to receive and have an influence and impact upon the lives of others. Why? Because we're not trying to dominate them. But because we submit one to another. And as we do that, that's when every need is met. You know, it's interesting when we look at the early church. It says that every need was met, financially and in every other way. But it wasn't because one dominated over the other, but it was because they submitted one to another. What was said concerning the the early church because of that? What was said about them was, "Oh, how they loved one another." I don't know about you, if there's anything that I believe should be said about the church of Jesus Christ, it ought not be, oh, how they have control over one another. It ought to be how they love one another. The significance of love there is that it's agape. And it means the desire to meet the needs of others at the expense of self. That's the meaning of true Christianity because that's Christ. That's what he did for you and me. Our need was met as his at his expense. So father we thank you this morning for the victory that is truly ours through Christ. Father, I pray that the words that have been spoken here this morning would seep deep into our soul, in our inner being, and that we might take it and apply it. And that as we yield, as we submit to one another, that your will can be accomplished here on this earth in a greater measure, and that we might be even more effective in accomplishing your plan that all might be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so, Father, we thank you for this day, this time together. We give you praise, honor, and glory because you're worthy of it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in His peace, go in His strength, go in His might. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give one another hug. Let somebody know you love them.